0: If you see something, say something. At Reply, weird things come with any weird story you find on the web, and you can help make WeirdThings.com even weirder. This uninterrupted episode of Weird Things is brought to you by Scam School Book 1. Available right now. Folks, it's the compilation of over 80 tricks from the popular web series Scam School, starring Weird Things host Brian Brushwood. The material is from over 200 episodes. There's audio commentary on every trick, over 35 video demonstrations, and it's laid out beautifully. It's absolutely the future of instructional ebooks. You need to see it to believe it. Get all the information at scamschoolbook.com. And by Andrew Mayne's Angel Killer, the brand new thriller novella available for only a dollar. In front of security cameras, a tourist vanishes from the top of the Empire State Building and mysteriously falls to her death moments later in Times Square. A young girl dies crawling out of her own grave after having been declared dead a year earlier. On Fort Lauderdale Beach, a missing World War II airman and his aircraft show up as if he only died hours before. They call the mysterious man behind these unnatural events the Warlock. To some, he's a messenger of a modern age of miracles. But to Jessica Blackwood, FBI agent and daughter of a legendary magic family, the Warlock is a trickster and a murderer, and she's the only one who can see through his deceptions. If you'd like to hear the prologue to The Angel Killer, just listen to the end of this podcast. Bandwidth for the Weird Things Podcast provided by Tree For sites of any size and world-class customer service, head on over to WiredTree.com.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Weird Things, the podcast. I'm Andrew Mayne, joined by Mr. Justin Robert Young. Hello, everybody. We're back and better than ever. Mr. Brian Brushwood.
2: And by better than ever, we mean it's late. And all of us have worked very hard. And we just want to plow through this thing so we can get the hell to bed.
1: (laughs) Speak for yourself. I took a power nap. (laughs) Are you happy now, you vultures? You've kept us up. Let's get into business right now. So, uh... Kind of a bit of an exciting bit of news last week, which is actually why we waited like I think a year to do this podcast uh, yes yeah. it was
2: it was for this news that we were anticipating filmmaker storyteller, visionary, rich guy,
1: Canadian the grass Tyson email receiver <laughs> adventurer Mr. James Cameron, touchdown, as everybody knows on the bottom. Of the ocean floor.
2: Can we we call it the bottom of the earth? That that sounds so much better. Sure. Sure. Can we call it under the sea? (laughs) Yes, he's gone under the sea. Uh, Man, ain't nobody lower than James Cameron.
1: (laughs) He's the lowest that you get. Oh, you low down, James. (laughs) It's just the way that story started. You think about it. First, it's like you see a little news item. Like, oh, James Cameron to go to the bottom of the ocean in a submarine. And then you find a submarine he designed. And then you find out lowest point in the ocean, you know, only two other people have ever been to. And one of them was the Swiss guy, so it didn't count.
2: And then the cherry on top is uh, BT Dubs Solo. In like, a sub, people.
1: he designed himself. By himself.
2: Yes. The
0: only person to ever see it, because the only people who went down before hit the bottom so hard that a silt storm was created. And they had to come up before it could settle because they had a crack in their right. window.
2: And they were crying. We forgot to mention yeah. that. They came up oh, crying so... home to their mommies.
1: Hey! Hey! The thing that stuck in my head, though, was a submarine that he designed himself. Well, and, Absolutely.
2: And plus, like, the, the info they dropped on that sub, that the pressure was so great. And it's so wild to see him on the Nat Geo footage just saying, like, yeah, as you sit there, it's so deep. And there's so much pressure that, you know, the sub sort of caves in. And the windshield sort of pushes five or six inches towards my face. Whatevs. Avatar 2 coming soon.
1: I, will, <laughs> I won't even eat my own cooking. I'm so afraid of killing myself, you know, the idea of actually going to the bottom of the ocean in a submarine of my own design. That's why I would ask one of you two to go first. Um, well, and, and, and this was not a preparation
0: that, you know, was without peril. You know, he had part of his crew died in a, in a freak accident wait, in, in, in the lead up to this. When did that happen? I did It was hear like a plane that. crash. Yeah, yeah, it was a playground. It had nothing to do with, with the with the oh. solub itself. It was so just saying,
2: it was, oh, so you're saying it was a haunted mission from from no, the get go. No, I just like it was it was.
0: You know, he he said he was on the record saying that he came very close to sort of canceling the the whole thing because he, he you know these were key members of of the team and he felt like he didn't want to do it if if they weren't going to be there and then you know powered through and wound up uh, you know completing it. Thankfully, you know it was it was successful. But I mean, this was. To, you know, use the cliche, it was like a movie, you know, like from, from beginning to end. I mean, this is a, a unbelievable character. And, and it's one of those things that, again, we look at our universe now and we understand that we are in this beautiful Jules Verne-esque kind of age of adventurer kings, you know, that that are, are spending their own money to explore our, our natural world in ways that, that we've never Had before, never seen before, pushing boundaries that we've only, you know, possibly begun to test. And they're doing it brazenly and with gigantic amounts of attention around them. This is a beautiful, gilded, amazing
2: age. So on the subject of James Cameron, I got a question for both of you guys.
1: Uh, I I did a lot of reading. We're the only ones here.
2: Well, that's and the billions of people listening to the podcast. And also the people, space alien overlords from the future who have unearthed this Sure hail minoku uh, the uh, The important thing is uh, i I did a lot of reading of carl sagan 's stuff, and Carl Sagan makes a very important case in books like uh, Pale Blue Dot for the importance of robotic exploration of space, and he explains like um, how m- for the price of one manned mission to the moon, we could have sent thirty robots, and they would have been so much more scientifically valuable because you don't have to worry about this, this bizarre ecosystem that you have to take in a bubble with you and, and the importance of human lives and all these things. And, and he talks about like how much more we could know about our solar system if we weren't obsessed with moving physical bodies. Uh, and I, he brought me on board with that idea. And then uh, James Cameron guest edits an episode, episode an issue of wired magazine where he talks about how there's more, than the scientific numbers that matter the reason we go to space is not because we want just to know what's on that rock over there it's because we want to go to that rock someday and we need to know what kind of craft to prepare for it we want to know about mars because we want to live on mars and it is not mankind's destiny to stay in this petri dish for all eternity and he very very strongly advocates for the importance of getting people, not just robots, not just scientific missions, not just your telescopes, getting people off this planet. And he points out that not since the Apollo missions has a single human being viewed the entirety of Earth as a, as a disk. The closest we get is the International Space Station, which, as he described it, was the equivalent of sticking your face on on a basketball and and claiming that you're seeing the entire picture. Uh Where do you guys come down on that?
1: Uh, I would absolutely, and I think that, you know, the the, the argument about the robotic probe kind of thing, you can say, hey, we can save even more money by just sending an expedition to Papua New Guinea and figuring out everything that's living and growing in those forests there because we still don't know. And probably have even more worthwhile information than we're going to get, more readily usable information than we're going to get by sending robots to the moon. Right,
2: we're not going to get a new uh, HIV medicine by sending another robot into space.
1: Exactly, that's why you know when people debate, you know, how much should we spend on science funding? It's it's not. There's no answer to that. It's you know what we as a democracy think we should, because you can justify anything, but. You know, Elon Musk has talked about this. He's gotten in front, you know, and and very much so outwardly talked about we need to be a multi planet species. And if that's the future of humanity, you know, I always say like I'm I'm more excited about there not being aliens out there because that means the universe is ours. Yeah. No, I, I think it's great. Look, and, it, and on, it, on, on a galactic scale, we can get in our underwear
2: and slide across the hardwood floor like Tom Cruise. Exactly. And you realize, you realize, like, uh, you know, you watch stories like Star Trek where you have 18 billion different aliens. They all look like humans with different lumpy foreheads. Like, yeah. But then you find out, like, oh, all aliens came from a precursor race. You realize if we're all alone, all that means is that we get to be the technologically
1: advanced godlike precursors. And think about this if the speed of light holds up and we can't transmit information, faster than that, it's kind of a very cool way to think about it because the amount of cultural diffusion we're going to have happen 100,000 years from now, a million years from now, you know, we, you know, it's hard to think in the scale of a million years, but a million years ago, we were making fire 200,000 years ago. There were people who looked like us. There will be people like us and look, people look radically different because of, you know, technologies we can't even conceive of. 200,000 years from now. And that's a thing that's so hard for us to conceive of because we focus so much in our short term when, you know, it's a big future. Future's really big. That's that's
0: interesting to think of that. What if we are certainly at a far closer point now to a constriction of human culture uh, only to be, you know, uh, on the that this is a, a peak rather. And then as we spread out, you know, throughout the galaxy, that maybe there is there is a, a
1: oh yeah, know. we're we're closer to fire. Than yeah, the art of the future. You know, yeah, we're absolutely we're closer. We're well, close just even to like point. you
0: know, like now with, with telecommunications and the internet and stuff like that, we now like you can have your best friend in China, where where before that was on a on a, on a deeper, more constant level than you ever could uh, before. I mean, you I think it's, I think it's fair to say cultures.
2: that that culturally, mo- the humanity is more homogenous culturally now than it's ever been in the entire history of man i mean outside of you know the first man it could that could change i mean if we go beyond well yeah once we get off once we get out of solar system right and once we start having relativity relativity make it impossible for real-time communication and we stop being able to play you know deathmatch quake against each other uh it's it's it'll fundamentally change things and we'll get bizarrely different especially as we we come to a time where not only will we be separated by unimaginable distances and by times, but also as it becomes culturally and, and biologically important for us to adapt to different environments. Because, look, for all the talk about terraforming out there, I suggest that we're going to see a lot more adaptation of our own genes to where we end up than we will trying to tame the planet and fill it with the right things that we like.
1: I – you know, I – I think a lot about this. I and mean, I think that we're going to have a lot of what we've had before in culture diffusion, where you're going to get the people who are going to want to get the farthest are going to be the ones that are going to have the most radical sort of viewpoints compared to the rest of us, which will be religious people, people with a sort of different ideologies. And so we're going to get, you know, space Amish, you know, when we're going to get space Amish, who aren't going to want to, are going to look for worlds more closely adapted or want to terraform stuff or whatever. But then we're going to get those of us that like, Hey, listen, I'll become, you know, some sort of shape-shifting Synthoid, whatever kind of thing, and adapt whatever environment I want i mean yeah, it's, it's such a it 's a hard thing to even fathom and then the idea too that at the same time we 're doing this we 're going to be evolving our concepts of virtual space, digital reality, and all of that in the amount of time that we spend, not even in physical space but in other I mean it just blows my mind, so I have another question for you guys go i 'm in looking at some property in Los Angeles, and I want to get your opinion on something. Um, okay. I found a, uh, it's an old ranch and it's up in the hills. Um, it's got, uh, I, feel like, like, I think like, like 30 acres. It's got a nice huge lo- water tank. It's got 22 bedrooms, a bomb shelter. Uh, it was built a while ago. Um, and, uh, there's space for to build a, you know, some libraries and swimming pools. It's got a lot, a lot of space to expand into and, uh, I wondered if you guys thought maybe this would be a good buy. Fifty-five acres. Fifty-five acres, and it's where? Um, it overlooks Los Angeles. It's up in the hills there. It used to belong to uh, Will Rogers, and then he sold it to somebody else. Oh my God, are you kidding me? This
2: thing's—is it a steal? Is it a good bargain? Yeah, I would say. I mean, it's probably like, what two hundred, <laughs> two hundred fifty
1: dollars, two hundred fifty million. No, no, I got to look at the price at this right now. But I think it's—I think it's actually—you know—it's going to be sold for probably a little bit distressed. But uh, wonder if you thought good, that might be good make time it, to uh, buy. Market's yeah, never been you know, better. down
2: market, distressed property. Will Watt Rogers used to live there just outside of LA. They're not making more Southern California. It's close to where Steven Spielberg lives. There's nothing wrong with this property. There is no reason you should not buy leverage everything you have to buy it right now. I could see it's, no way this could go bad.
1: It, I, you know, I'm excited. There's a little bit of history there, though, just a tiny bit of history. History's good, bro. i so, what. They to make making... a little museum out of it, right? Everyone, everyone
2: likes a theme to their house. And at the yeah. very least, interesting cocktail parties.
1: Sure. So this this property uh, was bought um, from Will Rogers in the 30s, and a, a wealthy woman, an heiress, developed it. And she had a particular interest, kind of a hobby, if you will. And okay. her friends had some ideas for what this property could be used for. Um, some people may have disagreed you know maybe a little bit of a you know a little bit of a you know kind of a, you, a you, difference you, of opinion you trying you trying to make this into bleak house what's the big deal people fighting over how awesome it is uh yeah i mean some people it was they they kind of was a long term investment kind of a like hey let's build this thing and then it's going to be really useful um was was it like animal house did somebody try to kick them out uh at one point, yes. It was like the yes. Blues Brothers. They're... They
2: needed to save the orphanage, and so they put on a concert with Will
1: Wright's ghosts. Well, they some of them went to jail, so they didn't get a chance to do the concert. Um, a Jail? What? And the, and the property's kind of sat still for a long time since then. Got so, a little bit of a stigma. Was it like Big Mama's house? <laughs> No, it was, you know, you know, there's there's another word when you hear the word, you know, it's kind of used as a pejorative. Some people have ranches. Other people have compounds. Sure. Okay. When you have a compound, it's your you're up to no good, according to the authorities.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe you you want a little uh, a little place for yourself. You want to feel safe with your family and friends. So you just compound it up.
1: Well, this was actually being built for somebody, actually.
2: Dude, okay. Okay. Uh,
1: Howard Hughes.
2: No. Richard Garriott. No. Uh, President Roosevelt. Close. Really? No. (laughs) Hitler's ghost. Count Chocula.
1: (laughs) Very close.
2: (laughs) Wait a minute. Are you telling me? Are you telling me there's, like, vampires? There's a vampire compound? Vampire Hitler? Oh, wait. Hitler's
1: ghost? Ding, ding. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Not ghost. Wait, for actually Hitler? So, in the 1930s, there was a group of concerned <laughs> Americans called the Silver Shirts. And, like, uh, many very patriotic people who supported the tenets of National Socialism, <laughs> they foresaw an age in which, you know, a triumphant Germany and triumphant Hitler would want to come spend time in the United States and possibly in L.A. because he had a lot of friends there. And so they got together some money and they built a whole ranch, a whole facility, big, huge meat locker for all of his meat-eating friends. And we're going to put in pools and libraries. And they got part of the property. No done. bunkers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it is, uh, it is an actual place, which I think we'll probably do a story on weird things. Um The headline from the Mail Online is Hail Hollywood, the Los Angeles bunker from which Hitler planned to run Nazi empire after the war. (laughs) Oh, my
2: God. That's amazing. And it still exists? It's still for sale?
1: Yeah, it's still there. It's like kind of a little bit deteriorated. And so the group that filmed up, you know, formed up the Silver Shirts, uh, basically, uh, you know, when Pearl Harbor came around, the United States government said, you know, we're not going to screw around anymore with these jerk offs. Yeah, sure. A lot of them got arrested. And uh, since then, it has been a little bit neglected. Uh,
0: Man, can you imagine? That was like after a triumphant Hitler. It's like, Hitler, what would you like to do now that you've won the war and you're running the globe? (laughs) Well, I've I've heard that L.A. is quite nice this time of year. (laughs) (laughs) Who wants to go to Disneyland?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's on me, Uncle Adolf. So this, uh, the, this woman, heiress Jesse Murphy, bought their land from Will Rogers, <laughs> so Will didn't know. Uh, apparently, she struck up a relationship with a German man known as Herr Schmidt. He persuaded her to invest $4 million, that's $66 million today, to transform the property into a Nazi stronghold fit for Hitler. Wow. This was supposed to be the seat of American fascism from where Hitler would one day run the United why, States. Why
2: is this not a movie? Like uh, yeah. a bunch of oh, teenage kids. Oh, by the way, kids. Herr
1: Schmidt, unbeknownst to her, he was an alias. He was Hitler's agent in America. Oh, my God.
2: Wow. <laughs> why is there not a movie about this? Like you got you got six kids out on spring break who decide to stay in the haunted compound And then it's like Hitler's robots were down there because they're like, uh, you know, they're anticipating that they would win and it was a side project. And then Hitler's robots and like maybe Ghost of the Red Skull coming
1: after him. (laughs) Well, I don't know. It should be. Uh, The thing about this is like, so imagine you have an ex-girlfriend like this girl. And you (laughs) hear this rumor. You know, you you heard what's happening to Jess. Oh, no. What's going on there? Listen, dude. Uh. She's dating Hitler's secret agent in America and using her trust fund to build a secret empire for him so he can rule the United States. No,
2: no. Look, I dated her. She wasn't like that. She At least she wouldn't go for it when we were together. Yeah. Because I tried. I tried, and she was just total prudes. Hey,
0: Brian, it's me, Herr Schmidt. Do you know where Cindy is? We need to meet up for a day later tonight.
1: Yeah. <laughs> How do you like Zim apples? <laughs> Speeds so, off. Okay, yeah. question. Like,
2: like it's easy for us, you know, on the other side of the of the continent, to be like, "Oh, that'd be so cool to own Hitler's vacation home in America." But uh, seriously, would you buy that? And how do you be the creeper? How do you in public? How does Marilyn Manson not own this? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly.
1: Well, one planet it was an artist planet. colony, and the novelist Henry Miller lived there. Really. So I'd be like, oh, you know, Henry Miller wrote some of his great works here. Like, oh, really? This place has got a lot of history. You're like, yeah, that's it. That's the end of the history. That's it. That's on. Yeah.
0: So that that is absolutely amazing. And number one, I think we're glossing over the fact that in his settling of where he would operate – you know,
2: uh, th- this global fascist network, L.A. was what he selected. It's where the movies are made. By the way, were- you, know, you know we have a policy of not having our Twitters or anything open, but I got what I thought was a text message from my wife. It turns out it's just a public tweet from Invisible Wife saying, I bet if you goose-stepped everywhere— you would have really sexy legs <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh wow have you told her about the property well that's why i wonder if
2: she can hear me downstairs no that
0: was before because i i at- replied her and said that was the the, the
1: secret of oh. the third right oh <laughs> look at the gams on Himmler. very very interesting <laughs> so how do you i want to like how does this seduction work you're like all right brian You're going to be Agent, you know, Herr Schmidt. Yeah. Justin, you're Hitler. Okay? Okay. Hitler, you decided you love Hollywood musicals. Okay. Yeah, okay. okay? All right.
2: You love Uh, Hollywood musicals. Herr Herr Hitler, uh, listen, things are going great with the war. I think It's 1930s. You're you're, you're still going to be man of the year. Uh, Okay. Okay. Things are going great with the uh, rejuvenation of our country, and uh, except for that, the the damn menace that I'm sure you got some kind of plan for. Uh, what uh, we got to think long term strategy here. Where are you feeling? Have Where, you
0: seen the Sound of Music?
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, the Alps. You want to go to the Alps? Sounds great. We can uh, we can get you a, a nice chateau.
1: I like I the fact that Hitler names a movie scene. that takes place that was made after World War II about the Germans. <laughs> This is a, a
2: little-known precursor to The Sound of Music.
0: I wrote the script. It's called The Sound of Music. <laughs> I want it to be a historical fiction, but I need to make a little more history first. <laughs> Hitler doesn't quite have a good grasp on the early <laughs> years of filmmaking.
2: <laughs> so, Okay, so what's up, Hitz? Uh, you, um, you, uh, you want a Swiss chalet? We can make that happen. You like the Alps? We could do that.
0: No. Hitler would like... To go to a place with swimming pools. Oh. Big fancy cars. Hitler Maybe. likes a fancy car and drive in burgers. Maybe uh,
1: Hitler's a Chaplin fan too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I like that delightful scamp, Charlie Chaplin.
2: I feel that him and the Führer could be great friends one day. Didn't didn't they actually, didn't Charlie, Charlie Chaplin do a movie where he was riffing on Adolf great Hitler? Great dictator. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, I, I finally I love saw. Goebbels, by the way. What's that? I'm Goebbels. That's oh, why you're, you're here. Goebbels you're, you're, you're popping your head in. you dictator.
1: It was funny.
2: <laughs> no, actually the uh, like that speech he gives at the end of it, uh, if you if you look it up on YouTube, somebody has set uh, a bunch of beautiful visuals to it and it's like it's like strangely moving. It is without a doubt the single most heart touching moving speech you will ever see by a comedian dressed as Adolf Hitler.
0: I think that's that is fair. I don't know where we would really get any kind of competition outside the Olsen Twins Uh,
1: or or um, uh, the Mel Brooks thing. Yeah, all right. Back to this. So Hitler, you need to explain to him your idea and how you're going to pay for it too. (laughs) Yeah. What's what's going? Hold on. Look, you're not you're
2: you're not exactly the most popular guy over in America. I mean, if I understand Hollywood. Whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, Herr Schmidt. Who do you work for? You're talking to the big f here
2: you in the house um okay well, uh so what do you want me to do? You want me to go just uh kinda roll up and down sunset and uh try to try to ingratiate you to some of the ladies you know buddy, relax, it's California,
0: you know, just let it happen to you. You get in the car, you drive down sunset, you say, um." Hey, I'm Herr Schmidt,
1: Who wants to go drag race? Oh, oh my God! We should like redo the show extras as if Vinny Chase is Hitler, <laughs> <laughs> and the whole entourage. Or excuse me, ex- sorry, the show entourage. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no,
2: no. I, I I was there with you.
1: Although extras you know I mean? is so kind of cool too. Then I so picture... all the friends, it's Himmler,
2: it's Goebbels. <laughs> it's wow. like
1: post World War Two. <laughs>
0: but it's polka.
2: Uh, <laughs> so the the battle plan was just to be like go throw some of these Deutschmarks marks around. No, I think this is this is this is his
0: victory lap. You know, like this he's conquered the world. He's he's snapped, you know, the the one of the greatest uh you know the the current greatest military force in in the world in in America the previous uh you know uh, uh, undisputed international empire in in britain
1: and think about like all those newsreel footages where like clark gable is playing tennis you know with errol flynn and that stuff and the white sweaters and stuff and they're posing and leaning on the rackets hitler sees himself hanging out there with his hollywood pals you know? oh
0: yeah because once i mean listen he's he's already he's run the the, the german movie industry he, he's got his whole propaganda team that knows that it runs he knows how, how i <laughs>
1: Everybody.
0: I wonder if he's watching old movies and he's like, No, he stays
1: oh he <laughs> yeah. goes he goes he's 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 like casting stuff he's planning you know a whole 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 slate of films he's gonna produce out there. <laughs> I could just picture him uh like uh
2: i don't know all of a sudden it's becoming like that Heil honey i'm home in my mind <laughs> like uh that that did him going out picking up the newspaper grousing about uh About the the filmmakers next door. (laughs) <laughs> oh dude totally and imagine
0: like imagine like we live in in that alternate universe where the Hitler's vacation in LA like you know once a year and they're in you know the our our fascist version of like star magazine like the Hitlers they're just like us they go buy oranges
2: <laughs> or it's like i picture i picture i picture that's the story but meanwhile the background of every single photo is people giving him the finger and throwing stuff at him and meanwhile he's still <laughs> dapper and with a big old grin as he walks around being one of the little people
0: oh man what if that was like the 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 new version of uh you know chinatown you know it's like relax jake it's hitler's house
1: (laughs) all right gentlemen so we had a big lottery the mega millions and it's always fascinating. freaked out about that
2: yeah well i guess it was more money than ever before or something 650 some
1: odd million Yeah, it was like half a billion dollars, and like it's funny because you know everybody makes the comment, but it's true. It's like, oh, when it was a hundred million, it wasn't worth my buck. Right. Yeah.
2: Well, and and that's the problem too. It's just like uh, I don't know. Like, uh, what what are you gonna do with your life? What more misery can you purchase with that extra four hundred million dollars? Oh, I can purchase a lot of misery.
1: Well, I think that, that a lot of the sad stories we hear about lottery winners has more to do with who buys lottery tickets than necessarily what happens when you come into that money, so to speak. I think there is a thing money magnifies for sure, but I think that it is the people who compulsively buy lottery tickets are people trying to solve problems that money really isn't the root of. Is, is
2: there ever a single story, and I'm sure uh, people will send it to us at, uh, at uh, what's our website or email address? WeirdThingsMail uh, weird, weird Things Mail at gmail. Weird at gmail. dot com. Let us know if there's a single story you know of of somebody who is just a nobody who won the lottery and became like a captain of industry of any sort. Because I, I do you know of anyone like that? All, all no. of a sudden becomes no. freaking no. Uh, no. a Stark or a Wayne.
1: <laughs> no, I don't think that, that would be. I make an topic. awesome superhero though. A guy that like wins a half billion dollar <laughs> he's lottery like, he's and builds a himself an Iron Man's. <laughs>
2: He's a hobo who gets a scratch off, and all of a sudden he's got Bruce Wayne money, and he decides
1: to just weld tin pots all over his body and fight like crime. I'm calling it now. <laughs> so here's a situation. South by Southwest, Justin comes to stay at your house, Brian. Uh-huh. Justin comes back drunk one night from a party. Already this story is unbelievable. Yeah. Yells at you. Goes into your kitchen, eats all of your Rudy's barbecue. Thoroughly, I'm not
2: believing a single moment of this. Highly he goes improbable. upstairs,
1: drunk, and then places himself on your mattress. Okay. All right. All right well now, now we're entering reality. All right. All right. Hey, pardon the language here. But I'm trying to, you know, create it's an, an, it's an, an, an artistic for it. <laughs> uh, gets into a fight, breaks some furniture and stuff. You're like, dude, you got to get out you got to get out here. Oh, what Justin's making by the way, for our the listeners, Justin's making this face at me. I have like had Brian's family murdered, okay? We've done horrific <laughs> things and Brian accepts this. Justin I say, you're drunk and you're acting like a jerk and now he's making this face like how could you do that? How could you say <laughs> this? How do you create a scenario where this thing happens to me? Why me? <laughs> What's funny is i am ready to pile on, I'm like, the fist fight's with my daughter and Penny kicks right. his ass. Oh, you 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 like you tell him you, he's gotta get out, and then you go up there and there's like two hookers strung out on cocaine. You know? Okay, no. Wait, meth. did you say Sorry. cocaine? Croquane is the game I play <laughs> okay. where I set up
0: wickets. And I was we, uh, stick, we crack pounce of cocaine balls of and coke, coke around that.
2: with tiny mallets. <laughs> Dude, I want, I want a photo of the three of us playing crocaine. I want a Photoshop of that. <laughs> we were wearing like jaunty to outfits. <laughs> so you,
0: you you go and there's like a couple hookers. When your... you want to get high, but also play garden
1: sports. Crocane. <laughs> Bonnie's like, you got to kick him out. You got to kick him out, Brian. I was like, sweetheart, he... Brings all this cocaine,
2: though I don't want to. Then you hear a gunshot upstairs. <laughs> I was like, "Okay, sweetie, I got him. I got him. Hold on, I'm, I'm going to go on up."
1: All right. And uh, so he punches you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's just smash cut to me just getting punched by Bunched. Justin. Punched right. No it's one interrupts the cocaine game in progress. <laughs> yeah, you have to call the cops. Okay, it's literally his pants are falling down off his butt. You know, as he's tripping into the street, they haul him away. Right. <laughs> okay. He's like, where's he gonna go? He'll end up in the cocaine mines. Yeah. <laughs> you get a phone call twelve hours later, whatever, he's like, Listen, I'm back in Florida. We are done. We are done. And i
2: like, you mean done done with uh, our friendship?
1: Done with the friendship.
2: Okay, but but I'll still see you Tuesday for NSFW,
1: no, right? Am Oh wow. Um <laughs> okay, well then who's
2: gonna who's gonna write for game on? Uh, uh, I don't and, know. Find your,
1: find a new monkey. So, you're like, you're like, uh, I'm he going turns, pro. all he, pro he turns in for game on, he just, for the first, for three weeks, he turns in scripts where just, which is just a string of expletives, which you guys <laughs> think is funny at first. And then you realize, oh no, this is going to be every week. That's all it is. Okay. <laughs> because
2: he starts emailing us photos of him defecating.
1: Yeah, Exactly. So he gets a show in revision three doing that. Whoa! Hold on. My point is, you go upstairs. Bonnie's like, "I'm not cleaning that room. You got to clean it up, Bry." All right. She's calling you Bry now too, by the way. Bry, Bry, Bry. You got to clean up. You're like, fine. You go upstairs in a garbage bag, and it smells horrible. There's beer bottles. There's used condoms. I mean, it's just despicable. You go in the corner, you're, you got your little little ski pole to stomp the trash, and you throw it away stomp, stomp, stomp. And you stop and you see a little lottery ticket. Oh, yeah. And it's like smeared with his feces.
2: <laughs> but you look at the numbers and winners. Uh, how, how much money? 100 million.
1: <sighs> wow. Is there oh, And, Brian, Bo- and phone Bonnie phone tells ring. you, by the way, says, Brian, and Brian, and by and the way. He made an inappropriate pass at me. Oh,
0: God. What an asshole, Brian, Brian, your phone's ringing. Pick up your phone. All right, ring, ring. D- d- hello. Hello. Go F off. I hate <laughs> you. Okay. I
1: just
2: wanted to let you know. Bye. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, that certainly cinches that. I mean, look. There's one of- I, In your beer. <laughs> there's one of two ways this could go down. Either. Brian, hold on. Your phone's ringing again. <sighs> hello. Hello. I'm trying to have an inner monologue.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I think my phone, my phone call dropped. Damn you, AT&T. Uh, I
2: put under your desk. I'm not going to tell you which. Bye. God damn. All right. Uh, look. Okay. So here's the thing. There's only two ways this can go. Either I can, I guess there's three ways. I can just give him the ticket, in which case I'm crowning King Jerkface of Butt Mountain. <laughs> or I could point out that he never would the have known. The first of his name. Yes. The, or I could point out that he never would have known he had this winning ticket if I hadn't found it. And we should work out some kind of partnership to split it. It seems fair.
0: Or, At which point, though, you are bringing a very destructive force back into your life on a permanent basis.
2: Yeah. Or I could just claim it's mine. And then if Justin ever says he thinks I'm a liar, I'll just throw him a couple million dollars.
1: Who's going to believe him? But also, what would that money do to him?
2: What, that money? Hopefully yeah. go on a bender and kill himself. I freaking hate that ass
0: on, Brian, you just got a text message.
2: Yes, hello. It reads, I answer all uh, my it text was, messages it was, with hello. It was
0: your downstairs desk. <laughs> and then, hold on, wait, another one just came in, and your upstairs desk. <laughs> and then, hold on, wait, another one came in, and your daughter's.
2: Okay, room. all right. Look, yeah, I'm not giving by him the way, a, I wouldn't use that toothbrush anymore. I'm, I'm not giving him a dime. Get this get this a-hell out of my face. I'm going to so dedicate. Just, you just claim it as your own. I, I will, and as a precaution, I dedicate $10 million of the money. Let's say what after taxes, it's like what 70 million, 50 million. We'll say 50 million. I'm going to dedicate 20% of the income, $10 million to a team of people to drag your name through the mud and keep you contained and broken. You're going to become my own pet. So So you've claimed the money, and now you get a call from a
0: very prestigious law firm in Miami Beach that is informing you that the, uh, There are credit card records that I purchased the winning ticket because there are lotto records at the convenience store that printed out the winning ticket. And they can prove that it was sold at the time on my credit card. And you have uh, illegally cashed this ticket in. All the money is mine.
1: Hmm. Or you get a call. Brian, your phone rings. All right. Hey, Hello. (laughs) Hello. Hey, it's, it's it's Zach, Zach Holder, everybody's friend. Oh, Zach, everybody loves Zach. I mean... Yeah, I, I'm, uh they just released me from the hospital. Hospital? Uh, yeah, I've been in a coma for two weeks. Oh, oh no, what uh, what happened? I, I was walking out of a convenience store, I just bought a lottery ticket, and then Justin comes up to me and asks me for some money, and I tell him no, and he... Cracks a bottle over my head and apparently just kept kicking me in the ribs and knocked me unconscious and he took my wallet. Could you go check and see if maybe he has that still? Oh, my God. Brian, you got a text message. Uh, Hello, text.
0: I've just used uh, a million dollars to buy a golden desk that you can assemble.
2: Also, I... (laughs) in the box. So wait, at this point does does Justin have all the money?
1: No, you have the you don't he doesn't have the money. He oh, okay. made that up about the attorney. Okay. You look at the letterhead and you realize it was written on crayon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wait, how cl- tell me something like
2: this actually happened. I you got to figure it cuz it's like what what is the record keeping on these types of things as
1: well. Up here? Here's the this is this is this is based in part in truth, okay? So right now, one of the tickets was won by somebody who worked at a McDonald's with other people there. And currently, the claim is that there was some sort of lottery pool. And this happens a lot with lottery pools where the person who keeps track of it is obviously the person who's really into the lottery. Sure. And it, there's been numerous occasions, I mean, just too many to count, really, meaning I really didn't look it up. There's been several occasions <laughs> too many where for me to the count person who personally. runs the lottery pool shows up, uh, odd, some t- magically has a winning lottery ticket that was separate from the one that they bought. Everybody bought.
2: Oh, my God. But it's like at the one. I mean, on the one hand, it's just like, how do you not try that? How do you not try to pull that off? When it's like, it's the difference between you getting a five million dollar, which don't get me wrong, five million dollars. You know, that's that's not nothing. But as an annuity, that's what two hundred thousand a year maybe, versus a hundred million dollars, which is a life changing everything. And then it's like you could spend the money to fight off the legal attacks from all the jerks who are trying to take what's rightfully yours. You say to yourself every night
1: what? as you go to sleep. And that's, that's what happens. There's this discussion that happens at some point where a guy or woman realizes they've got that ticket. They tell their spouse. They look at this. This is a $100 million ticket. Yeah. And they're like well, what and like, well, we know we have the lottery pool. And maybe sometimes it's not part of the lottery. You know, the smart lottery pools, they photocopy the tickets, and everybody gets a copy to see. So when it yeah. wins, you know what happens. But the problem is, is when you're the person who runs the lottery pool, God. if you win on an outside ticket, it's always going to look hanky. Always oh, sure. going to look hanky. Well, and think about think about that man. Because
2: if you're in charge of the office pool, then you are the type of person who's really into the lottery. So it's yep. likely you would buy some extra tickets on your own. But it is like, how do you explain that? Uh, what? Wait, I don't. Why do I feel good for these jerks? Screw them all. They're all loser winners. <laughs> why would you? I mean, whatever. So they're about to be
0: all at McDonald's. They just ran into a whole ton of money. Oh, no, like, I mean, good yeah, for them. Yeah, their lives are probably going to be. You know, you know, torn apart by it. But at least they're gonna get a. At least, at the very least, it's gonna be an awesome summer.
2: Yes, <laughs> I guess, sure.
1: Jerks, all of you. Why are you so.
0: mad at them?
1: I don't know. I, when you I, think about it, like, because you think about like, you know, oh, well, you poop
2: under your desk. I did. <laughs> All right, finally, I'm going to pick up the phone. Have Justin Robert Young killed. I've got many more millions where that comes from. Now just shut up and do it.
0: I didn't even know I had a desk
1: in the garage. (laughs) Did he buy this desk from Office Depot, deliver it here just so he could do his horrible thing?
2: Did I just get invited to a special gala held at the Ikea store just so I could discover that every one of these has been pooped in?
1: (laughs) So it's Justin ends Google up suing for the money, poo. and then you get an invitation. He says, hey, I want to make it up to you. I want to give you half the money. Just come to my house in Los Angeles. I got a really good deal in this property. <laughs> 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 Here, you
0: you can, have, you can have this house. It's just you and the ghost of vacation Hitler. <laughs> hey, everybody, it's me, the ghost of vacation who's ready to play croquet?
1: <laughs> uh you want want another real quick one yeah sure sure all right crop circles gentlemen oh my favorite you've got to solve a mystery the mystery is spear on the fudge are on the task oh thank goodness we were wondering what those guys were up to so uh we're gonna send spear on the fudge to australia i say okay First thing Spiro does is
2: buy a big old cowboy hat. Yes. <laughs> so, and a Texas belt buckle.
1: They've got some crops I like there. The,
0: you, you, you're running it like, like a D&D game. <laughs> the
1: the, the got some, immediately they, invests in. <laughs> they've got a field there. They've got a crop field there. And they've been getting some circles in the field. Okay. 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 Circles, patterns, but a lot of circles have been showing up in the field. Okay? Sure. Uh,
2: you want me to investigate?
1: Yeah, you guys are investigating sure, Spiro sure. and the Fudge.
2: <clears throat> Hello, Governor. Understand you got a spot of the spots. Uh,
0: you, you, don't, you don't talk like that, though, Fudge. Uh, well, first of all, I'm Spiro. Oh, I mean, I'm the Fudge.
2: <laughs> you're talking to yourself. You're, you're having your inner monologue.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow, geez, the Fudge. Spiro's really talking like an idiot. It's
2: been a long time since we've been on the case, Spiro. Chim, chim, chiru. Let's find out about a wallaby. Uh so so okay so we ask what we're like uh when did well, how fast did these appear Well and also Australia is pretty much you have a couple
0: main cities and then the rest of it like the vast majority of Australia is just complete utah
1: rush. Yeah yeah it's utah So so where where are, are we I'm in far, the I'm like listen I leave my field alone for days at a time I've come here I've got a bunch of crop circles
2: Okay, well, and is there a reason? Um, I noticed uh, uh, there may or may not be a fraternity house nearby. Uh, nope. No nope.
1: students. Hmm. Nobody. Hmm.
0: Is it a haunted fraternity? They like, Did there used to be students and then they all died? Did Hitler ever live there?
1: The dingoes, I got them. No, 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 no. Okay, now, uh, these circles,
2: uh, do they look like what we Westerners think of as crop circles? You know, the tight? Oh, as opposed
1: to us foreign Australians and our crazy ideas of a circle. Uh,
0: Yes. You really don't have an accent for an Australian, by the way.
1: Now, that's racist.
0: (laughs) Hey, listen. Listen, listen. we are international crime fighters. We, We are ferried. We've been in Italy. We've been in a national park. <laughs> we Greece, uh, we've London, been, Italy, and France. Yeah, all of other countries are like pooping our pants compared to Australia. That's but right. We're solving this case right now. That's right. So now let me
1: ask you this: When did they start showing up? Oh, since the uh, the crop t- seemed to come in, since the crop kind of got developed. Wait, got wait. You mean as long as you've had crops, you've had crop circles. I just noticed this year, but it seems to be as soon as the crops have, have become fully grown, we started to see this.
0: Now, what what do these crops look like? Can you describe the crop circles? Because obviously we're on the ground, and I don't possess a go go gadget helicopter for which I, can I mean they're lift
1: just sort of circular patterns. Just sort of sometimes they loop, sometimes they spiral with circles. Uh,
2: is there any reason that do you have dust devils around here?
1: No, 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 not, not particularly. I haven't noticed any. What about regular devils no i Des- I don't know what that Tasmanian means, devils. It that sounds like an American joke, and Jer- I don't appreciate it. Jer- Jersey devils no, that is incorrect. What about the devil? yes. <laughs> Any other questions? Did the devil go down
0: to Georgia, but his idea of Georgia was Australia because he didn't know. He's just a what, crazy devil.
2: What
1: about the devil and Mrs. Jones? All right. You sorry, have either of Because obviously I'm going to have to call in some better
2: experts. No. Listen, I'm, I'm real close to this one. <laughs> Tornadoes. Uh, no.
0: No, listen. All right. Spiro. But, you got to calm down here.
2: Look, I think he's the devil. He's not the devil. I'm Still. pretty sure. He's I'm the devil. not the devil. Okay, he's not look, the I'm devil. not even talking to you, and please don't eavesdrop on our private conversation All right. that we're having right in front of you.
0: Yes, <laughs> we have to listen. This is how we talk out. Listen, we, we again, we've been called around the world because we have these great deductive reasonings. We are now. I'm starting to really think this
2: is aliens. <laughs> <laughs> now wait a minute. Why would it have to be aliens? It could be. uh Fraternity boys with a helicopter? What's with you and fraternity
0: boys? Yes, Vero. you really listen. You're really, you're really myopically focused on these 18, year, 18 to twenty one year old boys running around a field. Positive. I'm just shirtless.
2: saying that, uh, and I'm adding that, but I'm pretty sure that's what you're thinking. Don't tell me I'm wrong. Well, that is, and uh, but I'm just. Thinking I'm really about, regretting calling you two in here. Really I was hoping to get from, some
1: answers. Is and it like, frankly, are
0: they in short? Is it like one of those like Diet Coke commercials from the nineties? Where they have, like, maybe the handkerchief hanging out the back of their jeans. Wait, what?
2: A bunch of frat boys are making crop circles together. Teamwork. This this got really, really specific. Uh, Let me add back to the crop circles. (laughs) You describe them as circular, but not precise circles. Am I right? I mean, some of them look like they're circles, but then some of them look like spirals and spirals. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You don't have what kind of wildlife you have around here?
1: I mean, it's Australia. That's not an answer. Uh, We got everything. We got snakes. We got bats. We got... You have wombats. Wallas. What's that? You have wombats. Wombats, kangaroos, wallabies. Wallabies? Sure. Could be wallabies. Why would you say it would be wallabies?
2: Uh, If a bunch of wallabies were in an underground boxing ring and they all beat... Their left eyes out, then they might list to one side in a circular pattern as they ran through your fields. Mm. Is there any other questions you should
0: be asking me, maybe? Is is Wallaby a nickname that you would have for just like a real V Rile frat boy who's like (laughs) kind of like, we're talking like
2: ripped? Okay, now, like like
0: right over your crotch, like they kind (laughs) of cut down, like they have those.
2: It's very uncomfortable. Peeking out of their jeans. Um, all right, listen. Uh the prime minister of the United States just called and he says seriously. Is it the devil?
1: Listen, <laughs> I have a very secure fence around the property. Okay. okay? It's locked. We've got cameras monitoring everything that comes near right, here.
2: Hey, hey, wait, let me let me see the let me see the cameras monitoring tapes.
1: Yeah. All
0: right. And, it's, and also, you know, do they go in slow motion just in case we're talking about frat boys? Here? Really
1: fast frat boys. You see, we got, it's very secure. This is a very, very secure farm. Now, have you gotten a lot of media attention? Like, are you selling tickets for this? Maybe this is some sort of hoax Uh, on your part. This this interferes with our cash crop. What is your cash crop? Opium. (laughs) We're one of the legal producers of opium for the rest of the world. All right. It's, It's an opium farm. Glad that we took an hour to get to that point. So, um, so wait a minute. Uh, this is
2: actually part of the story? Yes. Oh, my God. So, freaking animals are eating the opium and running <laughs> around in crazy-ass circles? Wallabies I still think are eating we can't rule out
0: frat boys. <laughs> Wallabies <laughs> are
1: eating <laughs> opium and then g- going in crazy, drugged-out circles in the middle of the opium fields, leaving crop circles.
2: Oh, my God. I'm so proud that Spiro was, like, 90% of the way there.
1: Except if for... A- if an ass about it.
2: Except... <laughs> That's, uh, that's one more Hello Kitty sticker on Little
1: Fudge. That's for damn sure. <laughs> it's actually in Tasmania. So, these, you know, the, the wallabies are kind of like a kangaroo. So, they get into the poppy fields where it's being grown for medicinal purposes. And then they eat it. And then they get really, really friggin' high. And they're like, hey, look at me. I'm hopping. I'm hopping in a
0: circle.
2: <laughs> that's awesome. Dude,
0: this is like a crazy animal version of
1: train spotting. This is amazing. So apparently this came up because they were doing a parliamentary hearing de- to find out about the security of the poppy crops. How secure is it? Like, very secure. people a problem? No, people are not a problem. <laughs> They're like, what about frat boys? We're like, well, we saw these crop circles there. We heard some frat boys were getting in there and, and creating crop circles. Like, no, actually, this America that came in here to volunteer to citizens arrest them. Wallabies. So apparently, like they'll go out there. They actually weren't wasn't too hard to figure out what what was going on because they would find them passed out in the middle of the field. Oh, that's (laughs)
2: awesome! The first thing they say when they wake up is, "Dude, bro, dude!"
1: (laughs) Apparently, sheep are walk walking
2: circles up here. (laughs) I never know.
0: Never know, man. (laughs) So, man, those uh, crazy wallabies just getting completely
1: cranked out. Yeah, I I know. We need to have an intervention. Yes.
2: We need to get them started on some croquet.
1: (laughs) Croquet. All right, boys and girls, time for picks.
2: I I can go first. Wait, I'll go first. You go first. You know what I'm enjoying? What? Is my signed copy of issue one of The Provider. Oh, snap. Look at that. Mine's written upstairs. by Brett Rounceville, inked by, uh, what's Oliveira's first name? Bruno Oliveira? Yep. Uh, it's amazing. If You guys need to go to LukeRyanInsurance.com and check it out. Uh, if you don't know, we've talked about Brett the Amtrak of Rounceville for a while. One of his life dreams has been to write a comic book. And I, I thought it was great in and of itself that he got to write the dang thing. I did not plan on it being such an awesome Real story. Uh, well, it's a, not, I mean, it's a physical, real comic, sure. Yeah. But it's it's a good one. I want to know what comes next, and I want this project to continue. Oh, to you were
1: polish. surprised. You were surprised that Brett wrote a good comic.
2: I was surprised Brett knew how to write. Is what I was right. yeah.
1: saying.
0: <laughs> he is. He is a very primitive man of primitive means. No, I mean, listen. Brett is uh, anybody who watched our live investigation of the Night Creeper uh, knows, knows Brett. If you've listened to NSFW, uh, you know, then, you know, Brett, it's, it's a great story. Uh, I've actually, I read early versions of scripts for the first like four and, and it's, it's, it's amazing, but you need to get on this right now. I mean, I think I've said this before with, uh, with, with, with the provider You know, a comic book, there's a lot of things that have gotten cheaper with the Internet. Um, And surely making a comic uh, with on-demand printing has certainly become easier and cheaper than it was before. It is not an easy or cheap thing to do. It is still incredibly resource and and, uh, And money
2: intensive. To do it well in your first time out is utterly phenomenal.
0: Well, and it's one of those things where it's like it deserves, uh, you know, it deserves your faith. This is not something where, you know, if, if you, you're you kind of inclined, it matters if you act now and go and, and go get it, because it's only if you can make money on this that we can see more of it. And I think it's really great. And if, if you know, there's other people, if people who are involved in the comics industry happen to listen to this podcast. And I think they need to take a look at it because it's certainly something that uh, I think could get picked up and do really well because it's well-written. I-, I love the character. I love the art. It's super awesome. The Provider, Issue 1 by Brett Roundsville. Go check it out.
2: And now I'd like to give you my pick. Uh, no. <laughs> Which, uh, I mean, it's a testament to the, to the project that, uh, that both of us are so enthusiastic about it.
1: I'm going to yeah. do my pick. Go. I saw with Mr. Justin Robert Young. God damn it, you took mine. Go ahead. I saw the Hunger Games, which I enjoyed. Oh, Amps, the movie thought it was very well done. I liked the book was looking forward to the movie. Enjoyed the movie. I so, thought, uh, Gary Ross did a really good job with that. Tell and, me, uh, very much liked it. Thought it was well done, held my attention throughout. I enjoyed every bit of it and thought it was just a a, a, a delightful movie. Glad that it's doing really well. And I look forward to the sequels.
2: Tell me if, uh, now you, since you read the book, you're qualified to, to walk me through this. Um, I enjoyed a lot about the book and then it would do things that would utterly remind me that this was written for 14 year old girls And it really took me out of it and annoyed me. And it it really took a lot of steel for me to kind of plow through the entire thing. And I suspected that I would enjoy the movie a lot more because I was hoping there would be less of that 14-year-old girly stuff in there. Um, I mean, there's an awful lot of that book about her traumatically deciding which of her two boyfriends she likes better. Uh, How am I going to feel about the movie?
1: Um, (laughs) There's... There's a couple points in the movie where they make you aware that there's this, you know, that you know there's another guy pining for her and seeing it in a movie theater filled with teenage girls, <laughs> it's funny how they kind of pop at that. Oh I, my god. It was I, it was a shocking
0: audible explosion when when they when they cut back to the poor other boy. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, but
1: yeah. but uh I thought I mean I didn't, you know, the book, that part didn't bother me in the book. I mean, I, I I understand very much the audience that these things are for. And I've talked about this. I was talking about it like in Sword and Laser. Like, even when you watch something like Twilight, you know, or read them, you, you know, understand that teen lit, particularly stuff aimed at girls, is hyper emotional because when you're 14 years old... That is how you see the world, you know, a, a, you know, if a boy breaks up with you, it is the worst thing in the world. You know, coming at looking at it from a guy and how scared we are of girls and just the fact that you say hi to a girl and she ignores you. And all of a sudden you're devastated and you decide you want to live on an island for the rest of your life right. um, and not realizing that she's just shy or whatever. And so I understand there is there is its own, you know, uh, language to books and movies that sort of deal with teenage emotions so that doesn't really bother me that much you know and and, and what i'm reading it, and told from her point of view too in the book i'm like okay this is how she sees this thing you know and, and like i can think of several things you probably thought of too in the book there's sort of the silly sort of teenage girl kind of and that didn't bother me at all Maybe okay i kind of liked it well okay but
2: now now that explains how you felt about the book but did you find those elements as prevalent in the movie no, or not, less, at all. Much not at all. okay well then i'll go check it out although I do I do think that uh, Woody Harrelson as Hamish sounds pretty rad
1: yeah, I and mean, it's 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 we love the fact because there are some of our characters in there, like uh Stanley Tucci, Donald Sutherland, you're like they're just themselves, you yeah. know It'd be like if this world existed, they would be like, all right, I will do this, you know <laughs> yes now
0: lenny Lenny Kravitz, and I guess there's a mild sort of uh fan fart off about you know people who are upset that uh Lenny Kravitz is not the physical. Uh, embodiment of of his character in in the book. I guess his character in the book doesn't look like Lenny Kravitz. I very much enjoyed the fact that he was actually Lenny Kravitz. Like who, who does he play? There, there's a that? moment where he offers
1: uh, some very critical he's the stylist. Oh, really? Okay, that's yeah. Hilarious. But he fit the role perfectly. I I thought I, every bit of casting they did was very true to the characters in the book.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. There's apparently some some issue with the you know, people are. are, are Yeah. Well, there's it. there's
1: one of the one of the there was a very small, very, very small racist group of people who are upset that some of the characters that were described probably, you know, maybe that they were, you know, Caucasian in the book ended up being people who were, you know, Hispanic or black. Or, and it's so irrelevant to the story and, and coming from where we've watched movies like, you know, Avatar. Sure. The Airbender, rather. The Airbender, you know, the Schmalian version of that, the Avatar, the Air Blast Airbender, you know, where they've taken Eastern characters and cast, people who are Western in that. You know, this was a this was a story that I thought it didn't affect the book at all. It didn't affect the story at all. It was I fine. It.
0: I, I, I love the movie element of that the, the 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 Lenny Kravitz character has to offer uh some costuming advice. Uh, because that's part of his job to our our main characters, and I was just kind of expecting him at any point to be like, you know, I met a guy on the set of Fly Away, and he uh, told me about this place where we can get these crazy suits. So I'm gonna go run and do that because I'm Lenny Kravitz. Hi, character of the
2: movie. Does anyone want <laughs> in and out when I come back?
0: <laughs> I was really waiting. I was. I think I tweeted this that if if as. Our our main character, Katniss, is going up in the tube to compete in the Hunger Games. He just looked her in the eyes and said, you know, it ain't over till it's over. Yeah. <laughs> that was a song I sang because <laughs> I'm Lenny
2: Kravitz. Now, are you going to go my way? Wait, I'm
1: going to go this way. <laughs> are you going to go my way? way?
2: Hey, uh, I don't know. Since uh, Andrew stole your pick, do you need time to pick, think of another no, one?
0: No, I have a pick. All right. God darn it. Um, there's a book written by an author i like that has
1: just been released like really how? like how like like how do you like this author
2: he likes like
1: him i i like like him he, he like, might like never Brian really know Anthony, Anthony, my feelings yeah, are for me.
0: <laughs> it gets really uncomfortable there's long car rides to and from arby's where we just don't say a word and i just kind of i i really brace my arm so it so stays this, on the shifter and doesn't <laughs> inch its way toward where it really wants to go uh, so, Andrew's got a new book out. Gosh, folks. Gosh, folks, is a new term I, I'm, I'm inventing. It's called The Angel Killer. And uh, let me tell you guys a little bit about it. So it stars or it follows our main character, Jessica Blackwood. And really, I mean, I guess the, the way I can say it, and I wrote about it in, in the review on Amazon, uh, it's it's really Andrew's Silence of the Lambs. It, it's a procedural the, that really only. Andrew could write uh, follows a a villain who is creating these miracles that to the media at large are these just kind of bizarre happenings a woman who uh, was supposedly dead for a year. Is found crawling out of her grave, and then when the when the authorities go to investigate it, it lights on fire. So it's like this living zombie is is sort of you know completely incinerated almost magically. There's a, uh, a a plane that is supposed theoretically has been. Disappeared in the Bermuda Triangle for some odd sixty plus years that now all of a sudden just appears on Fort Lauderdale Beach with the pilot in the cockpit at the age in which the uh plane was supposedly to have to have disappeared and the FBI has to has to figure this out and it's up to our 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 heroine our our main character, Jessica Blackwood, who comes from a family of magicians, to realize that these are not so much miracles quote-unquote but more grisly murders that are designed <laughs> for uh you know nefarious means uh by this uh by by the guy who's orchestrating it and is sort of playing games with the authorities if you like crime thrillers if you like uh you know procedural stuff the, what what is the x factor here is that andrew has this this very brilliant kind of uh magic mind and and you know well I've been lucky enough to to be involved in uh you know television and hear through friends that have been involved in television projects uh for for magic and y- really the scary part about it for me reading the book is that it really would not take that much money. it would be like a basic cable. Uh, you know, uh, magic television budget that could create these kind of horrifying spectacles that Andrew talks about in
2: in in the book. Are are you saying we need to use this as a blueprint? Are you saying we need to get to work? I'm
0: just saying it's 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 really it's it's scary when you look at the the narrative of how things go, how believable it is, and the reaction to it is something that you could very easily see taking root and, and the kind of logical places where the the reactions take the America and, and, and the world, you know, cause a lot of this is sort of echoing out into our, our culture. So I found it fascinating. It's a super awesome page turner. I mean, we're getting a lot of really great, uh, reaction for it, uh, already, but you know, Andrew, what, what do you think about your own book?
1: <laughs> uh, Thank you Justin exactly as I wrote it for you to say. <laughs> you know actually
2: I I thought uh, I was excited too because there's a there's a book that just came out from an author I like like <clears throat> called Scam School Book 1. No, that's going to be my next pick. (laughs) No, no. I mean, that's what I was trying to I was trying to find a way to worm into it to, like, make it a war to see which of us was the one you were talking about as you were talking about this ebook that just came out. We're like, yeah, yeah. And then you pick one. But
1: I I wasn't able to squeeze. I take back Hunger Games. (laughs) Brian Brian has reinvented the magic book with the scam school book. Okay, please, please check it out. It's available on multiple platforms. And I I do not say this lightly. You pick up, every now and then you pick up a magic book and you go, there's one or two neat tricks. You pick up Brian's book and there is a career, a lifetime of great, fantastic material in there. One or two tricks, pick up two or three tricks, just alone well, loan in there and you're great, but there's just a constant source. There's a great source. He teaches it well. They've got video. The way he put together the book itself is just an example of the future of the book. And I, I'm not just saying this because Brian's here. I actually was Waiting for an opportunity to actually rave about this, and I feel remiss for not bringing this up. It is fantastic. It's cheap. It's eight bucks. It's like getting an entire encyclopedia set of magic videos and books in there. Highly, highly, highly recommend Brian's book. It's only seven ninety nine, available at Amazon.com right now. It is the number one selling book in like like in how to like entertainment stuff, number one selling magic book. It is fantastic reviews people absolutely love it it is a huge amount of material if you wanted to go out there and go to a magic shop and try and buy a bunch of magic dvds to learn how to do this stuff it would literally literally cost you hundreds of dollars worth of material to do this and brian has put all this into there and what's great is these are things that brian does brian's not a guy that just tries to turn out books or thing material like that when you go to barnes and Noble, sometimes you'll see a book by guys who've never done this stuff they just comb stuff from other places this is tested material Brian knows the angles Brian teaches you really really well and you can it see it, is, it work and, it's got links to this game school episodes right there where you're watching it work in front of people you know yeah and and it's think about this it's like if you've thought like oh I want to learn magic but maybe I don't have the skill for it or whatever this is perfect for you it is a perfect way for you to start because Brian takes the idea this is written you know this is written not for magicians it's for people who just want to learn how to do cool stuff and entertain people you know if you want to impress girls in a ball If you want to go show your kids something cool, if you want to go to work and do something really neat, all of us can testify to how much magic has helped us in our own personal life and our own careers and being able to impress and do stuff for you. Just two or three tricks out of there and you're going to be the center of attention whenever you want to be, you know. Every all of your friends will hate you because all the girls are going to want to talk to you. If you're girls, pick the stuff up. This is a great thing. It's a really, really neat thing to be able to do some of the stuff in there. I cannot, cannot rave about this enough. It is the best value there is in magic right now. I mean, wow. that. I absolutely mean that sincerely, Brian. Dude, that is that
2: really means a lot because you know I, I hold your uh, opinion in high regard, especially with your background of magic. And
1: please use my Amazon affiliate code when you buy it. So I, no, I'm kidding. Yes, now, no. Go to blurb it. I, scam School. Volume one. Brian and uh, with the help of John, they did. A, they put a lot. This was not a slap together kind of thing. This was no, how do we tell a story in this medium? How do we do it really well? And they did a fantastic job. Well, thank you, man. Okay, then <laughs> someday Justin will do something we'll want to talk about. Yeah. Maybe and you know. When, the, and when pub... I do, I'll be able to talk about it my goddamn
0: self, not you two enabling weirdos.
1: <laughs> uh. So. I was thinking with uh, maybe maybe after the podcast, uh, the Angel Killer is written from the point of view of the female protagonist, which Justin does a pretty good falsetto. But actually, the first part of the book is just sort of a, an opening narrative, and I was hoping maybe Justin would do that. At the, sure, you know,
0: yeah, that. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll record it. Uh, you want me to record it live now on? No, no, whatever you
2: feel like it. No, it's fine. Yeah, or we could just stare at you and you yeah, do. Yeah, we're like. Oh, that's pretty good. We could comment yeah. about it. We're like, he really sounds like a, he sounds like a pretty
1: yeah. girl. That'd Go to suck. the girl's voice. Do a pretty. You be a pretty girl. Andrew, Are you a pretty girl. Can I ask? Can I ask? Can I ask no, I'll do
2: it. So
0: if you're listening to the podcast, uh, it'll be right. It'll be right after uh, the. You know, it'll be like
1: in seconds, literally. Just keep listening. Don't do anything,
0: and no. it'll Perfect. be in your ears in seconds.
1: Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. It's been weird.
0: And now, a free preview of Andrew Mayne's new thriller novella, Angel Killer, available for only 99 cents in the Amazon Kindle store. Prologue. The devil had whisked her away. That was the only explanation. She felt like she was flying, but... She knew she was soon going to die. When the man in the baseball cap and the aviator sunglasses opened the door to his truck, she just thought it was going to be a quick trick. Make a couple bucks, go see Wallace over at the station for some ice. No big deal. In and out in 20 minutes. Unless he was drunk or had trouble getting it up, that was always a bitch. The look on his face was bad news. There was no look. Just a blank expression. This made the part of her brain that told her when she was in trouble tingle a bit. Problem was that it was always tingling. She'd learned to ignore it. Besides, it was cold and raining. The hawk-nosed woman running the diner had given her the stink eye. Haley knew if she stayed in the parking lot trying to trick any longer, the crone would have called the sheriff. When the devil came... His truck looked warm and dry. She climbed inside and pointed to a lot down the highway where the county stored stacks of concrete barricades. It was her usual place. There was a motel about six miles away, but that was a hassle. Her johns didn't want to spend the money anyway. The man pulled onto the gravel road like she told him, then took a canister from the center console. She thought he was going to huff it. He turned the nozzle toward her and squeezed the trigger. Blackout. Flying. When the cobwebs cleared, she could see the glow of the dashboard and hear the roar of the engine. It was night. Her legs and arms couldn't move. They still felt like she was floating. It was a weird high. She remembered him talking about ravens or something like that. Telling her that she was just an experiment. Experiment. She'd done a lot of that in her 17 years. Unlike this, though. He turned toward her and pushed. His blank face didn't even blink. She went backwards and kept going. This wasn't flying. This was falling. He'd tossed her out like an empty beer can. The cold wind whipped at her skin. The glow of the dashboard was gone, and she kept falling, falling. This must be what it's like to die, she thought, falling forever. The devil with a blank face picks you up in an SUV, then pushes you out the door and you fall forever. Haley didn't scream. It still felt like a dream, although she knew better. Grandmother told her she'd go to hell. She just didn't tell her that hell wasn't a place that you actually got to. It was a bad trip to eternity. Falling. Angel Killer is available to you right now for only 99 cents. Anywhere you can access the Kindle store, including iPads, iPhones, smartphones of all stripes, and Kindles themselves. More information, go to andrewmain.com books.
1: sponsor the podcast, do you have $30? If so, go to weirdthings.com slash sponsor, and you can have Justin say whatever you want. He's a trained ape.